everybody, and welcome back to the Uneasy Train Explorers Club podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and I'm sitting here over Zoom with the one and only, the man with the nastiest gutturals in the game, Kane of Vomit Forth. How you doing, dude? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good, man. I'm glad that we actually got to do this, and, and you're the first musician I've had on the podcast, so I'm actually pretty hyped about that. Oh, awesome. Made it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it was sick because you guys uh, did like kind of like a little small tour and you guys uh, were at the in in San Diego at Brick by Brick. And uh, I I did a surprise visit and you were pretty hyped and we hung out for a while. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I was pumped. I, we, <laughs> we, we, we got we uh, we got up on on Twitter because I was like, yo, this is the guy who did the degenerates. <laughs> and I, sh I showed I showed everyone in my band. That this is they were like, this is fucked up, man. <laughs> <laughs> like my my drummer was like legitimately like wait is that like real <laughs> well, you know, that's that's the ultimate compliment when when you blur the line between reality and fake you know yeah uh, yeah i mean that's why that's why i loved <laughs> your stuff but i was i was very pumped that you showed up so yeah hell yeah um so as a musician i kind of want to dive into um like your earliest memories of like getting it, like what got you into extreme music and what pushed you in the direction of like being a vocalist? So that's we like extreme music. I, this is going to be kind of whack, but um, I, the first song I ever heard, cause I'm 35 years old. The first song I ever heard that was like, I was like, what the, what is that? Was corn hmm. got the life. Yeah. Um, I saw an MTV video wake up when I was getting ready for school. And um, that was, so that was like the first thing I ever heard that I was like kind of freaked out, but also was like intrigued by. And then I remember I got the CD for Christmas and I listened to it and it like scarred me. I was like, this guy, this guy's talking about like sex kind of, and like he's doing these weird noises. And I'm, this is fucked up. And then um, from there, I just went went more and more into like uh, I got in I went on the Napster <laughs> wormhole, and and that actually got me into like death metal and um, like actual metal and stuff like. That. I still love new metal, but that was like, you know, I know what it is now, and um, that got me into like you know crazier stuff, and then black metal and all that. Cradle of Filth was like my first black metal band, and then I went down that rabbit hole, and then I was like, whoa. And then I heard uh, like Six Feet Under and Cryptopsy, and I was like, I I'm actually not a vocalist. Um, originally, I started. I've been. I played guitar. That's what I was known for for years. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in the hardcore scene, just playing playing in hardcore bands. And then, um, I just met other people who were into metal because I was always into like uh, darker stuff than just hardcore. And um. I met people who were also into that and they happened, they were, they wanted to start a death metal band. And I was in a hardcore band called absolute suffering, which was a bad, bad band, but I would do backup vocals every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, the drummer of my band now was like, yo, those are sick. You should do those like the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how, that's how uh, I started singing for vomit forth. But, uh, I, 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 normally like sing sing i don't do uh those kind of vocals i like sing i like like i have like an alt rock band that i like to do but um that's 
how I started, how I became a vocalist is, is kind of by accident because I, like I was saying, I did the backing vocals and everyone's like, those are really good. <laughs> I was like, That's oh, funny. cool. It's funny because like we're around the same age and, and your journey into extreme music is the same as me. I think like uh, new metal was like the same for everybody. Like I, I got the CD from Korn. I got the Untouchables album and just like okay. the themes were so fucking like gnarly and like to him talking about wanting to kill himself and stuff and then yeah. I got the, like system of a down and like the parts where they yelled I was like I want music that's just like that the whole time <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> was, then, that uh, happened to me too yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh you bring up Cradle of Filth that was like I the first concert I ever went to was Cradle of Filth when I was 14 and oh, uh so lucky. <laughs> yeah so that's pretty that's pretty funny um well, uh, talking about Vomit Fourth, so you guys, at least from what I looked looked into, you guys started in 2018. You had your demo, and then you also had uh, Inherent Lacerations. And I was wondering what you could tell tell me about like the development of, of Vomit Fourth. So, um, like, it started out with them just jamming. It was the old guitarist and, and the drummer were jamming. They didn't have a vocalist. Um, that's when I I had. I brought it up to them. I was like, man, I'm going to try and like sing for a band. I have no idea if I'm going to be good or not. And then they brought up the backing vocals thing. So then I just kind of like started getting in there. And uh, so we had the two, we, we did uh, our first demo and then we did another demo and then we did uh, like two songs and um, they were all recorded and we were playing locally, not really touring, just mm -hmm. kind of like, because I, I at that point had a lot of other bands too that were doing a lot and um then uh, a record label called maggot stomp hit us up um and they he scott who runs maggot stomp is an awesome awesome guy he had been buying stuff from us from the from the jump so um he offered to put out like a compilation of all of our demos and then we recorded two new songs and put them together and um that's like what those you know with like inherent laceration uh what like i I can't actually that that yeah it wasn't that was the name of the record the demo um we had it was yeah it was two demos plus that and uh yeah that's how that started and um we were just kind of like playing weekends not really taking it seriously um and we started writing this scene in malevolence and that's when I, was, I I personally was like, okay, let's like do this for, let's be a real band. Let's do this. And uh, I had a really good job. I had a job at like a really big company. I was making a lot of money and we got an offer for a seven week tour. And I was like, I remember I, I thought in my head, I was like, all right, well, we have to do that. If we don't do that, then I'm just going to be working this job for the rest of my life and playing weekends every once in a while. You know, yeah. and uh, we got fired for going on that tour, and the rest is history. Now, now we're here, and I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Season of Love Wins is out. We're on, we're on Century Media Records now, and um, we have a whole new lineup. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with where we're at right now. We're writing new stuff. It's it's crazy, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, it Bob and Forth also had become a way for me to kind of express all that like kind of dark stuff that uh, originally got me into the band because um that was kind of a void in my life where not a void but when you internalize all that stuff um it, it 
and you can't really express yourself, it's it can be rough. So Vomit Forth is a great vessel for that because with metal and it's a lot easier to sing to sing about that stuff than it is in hardcore, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um kind of diving into that a little bit. Um what are for people I, I think there's definitely like an overlap between your fans and, and my fans, but for people yeah. who may not be as familiar with you guys, um, like what what kind of themes do your does your music cover and what are some of your influences as well? Um, so it's definitely uh, the themes are are it's kind of a dichotomy here because it, it, I, I sing a lot about like uh, serial not necessarily like killing people <laughs> and, and um, <laughs> you know mutilating people uh, a lot about like death and, and stuff that's inspired by true crime but I sing about it in um, like the point from the point of view of the person who's doing that not like the point of view of the victim or not like the point of view of like a, a voyeur it's like the person who's actually doing those things and the way I'm doing it though is is uh it's it's for me it's like okay well like this is this is me kind of externalizing trauma that has happened to me and kind of dealing with it um because I I've always been really fascinated by true crime true crime is a huge influence which is I know that's like probably that's very in my opinion it is kind of messed up because these are real people you know mm -hmm. and um you know I have respect for victims of any kind of violence and I feel for them you know and at the same time uh I, I don't really I can't really like name any real philosopher or something like that but there's like because you know I've, I've had things happen to me in my life and there's this kind of weird uh catharsis you get when something horrible happens to you uh -huh. um, it's kind of like you know fight in fight club that part that part where he like points a gun at that dude or it's and he's like he like asked for his license he's like what did you want to do do you want to be working here and then he's like that dude's gonna have the best day of his life tomorrow it's gonna be like it's like that's like a huge influence on like the vomit forth lyrics and um also like horror movies but like not regular like uh stuff we talked about like you know <laughs> august mortem underground type stuff uh is a huge influence on our on our music and uh our music videos as well um any kind of like pseudo snuff and uh not even just that also like uh like i i love movies like um the beyond and stuff like that and, and the church mm -hmm. and uh that that's the all like the supernatural is is also a big part of it like i, I notice a lot in um i mean this is a you know the stuff I listen to, like conspiracy stuff. There's, there's there's a lot of conspiracies that every serial killer is part of a giant satanic uh, ritual abuse network or something <laughs> like that, which um, I find extremely fascinating and interesting. And that's a big influence too. So tons of influences of a lot of bad, scary shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, outside of like the the lyrical themes, uh, what are some musical themes or not musical themes but musical influences like what bands have you listened to that you were like um yeah i really like this sound i want to kind of fo follow in that same direction for me personally in, in the band it's it's uh cryptopsy and skinless were like the biggest mm -hmm. um and then obviously we have a huge like internal bleeding like vibe 
on all of our stuff. Uh, a lot of like like pyrexia, suffocation. Those are big influences, but also, um, you know, deicide is a huge influence. Um, and then we, we take a lot from bands like All Out War, Hatebreed. Um, and, and even like some other, like a little bit more like metalcore vibe, but also integrity is a big influence too. But, uh, and Zeo is a big influence. You can't, it's not really like there, but it is kind of in some of the breakdowns, like a lot of that kind of nineties, late nineties metalcore that was a little weird, a little strange sounding is is a big influence as well. Yeah, I mean, when I listen to you guys, I definitely like initially what I think is like, oh, like brutal death metal. But then when yeah. I went to your show, like there was a lot of hardcore, like hardcore people there. And there's it was kind of like it was like a hardcore death metal show mixed together which yeah that that was an accident (laughs) (laughs) we didn't like i didn't know how i didn't hear northeast i mean that's kind of like the hardcore it's like the coasts are like the hardcore places you know Mm -hmm. and um we're like too metal for the hardcore scene and we're too hardcore for the metal scene so we we thought just no one was gonna come (laughs) 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 but it turns out both of them did so that's great well, this is one thing that you and I were actually talking about when we when we were hanging out, which is like back in the day, like hardcore and like metal, like death metal, like did not fucking vibe together. Like if someone started hardcore dancing at a yeah. death metal show, like it was going to be a fucking riot, you know, and it's yeah. cool to see now that like these these different groups or these different like subcultures can kind of like exist together. And like, it's cool. Like I've gone to shows where like one band plays and it's a push pit and then the next band plays and people are hardcore dancing and it's not a bloodbath <laughs> you know yeah 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 it's not like an immediate an immediate horrible fight where people are getting stabbed yeah, yeah it's um yeah it's been honestly like the just we're playing a hardcore fest in march um in louisville and i, I was very happy i mean it's been awesome and there's bands like 200 stab wounds and um, I mean, up here, it started to kind of get a little bit cooler with that around like 2015 ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, this band, this band called Fuming Mouth from up here, they were like very much a, a responsible for um, making it okay to be like a death metal guy, you yeah. know, and uh, at least up here. And then it just kind of spread. I mean, also, I think as people got older and they started listening to Hatebreed, they're like, oh, these are entombed riffs. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're like, oh. So, like, that's where, like, because, like, you have Youth Crew and stuff, which is, like, has, like, that own style of, of mosh riff. But, like, really, like, hard-ass breakdowns all came from death metal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, all all out war, they loved death metal. Hatebreed, they loved death metal. You know, and I think even, like, I don't know. I can't speak this because I don't know those guys, but like, I probably bands like Sworn Enemy love death metal. I mean, I listen. I listen to Full Blown Chaos. I'm like, these are. This is barely. This is basically a metal band with, but like, they understood like, hardcore kids kind of understood the groove more and the mosh, the mosh more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think as people got older, they kind of caught on to that. Well, um, I do want to definitely get into Seething Malevolence, but um, you guys also have another EP that came out in 2019 with uh, Northeastern uh, Deprivation. I was wondering what you could tell us about that. 
so yeah that was the one that scott put out with all of our demos on it okay. and then um after that we put out a a little ep it was just called 2021 promo Mm-hmm. which was two songs off of seeding malevolence but they were recorded in a different session and mm-hmm. a brutal truth a brutal truth cover um we were we were we recorded and wrote all seeding malevolence during like the pandemic so we were like oh i wonder if the world's gonna end you know what I, mean? <laughs> like, I don't know if we're ever gonna play a show again so whatever and we were not on century media we were not didn't really have anything happening um you know, there was talks of the big tour that I was talking about that I got fired for, but we were like, who knows if we're ever going to tour again, you know? Yeah. So that was like kind of a bleak, bleak time. Very, very dark. And and even recording that, like we recorded it at our, at our old practice space and it was cold and we like didn't even know why we were doing it all the way. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of, a lot of bands went through that, but um, it's kind of actually I don't really like to listen to that stuff to be honest because it just takes me back there and I'm like man that was a hopeless shitty time you know what I mean I was like uh, okay I'll just get a job and be like a regular person this sucked <laughs> it, it, it was it's like a it's a I like I kind of like those versions of the songs and I don't mind those, some of the songs on, on Northeastern Deprivation I think a lot of them are really great uh, but there's there is like a sadness in my heart when I listen to them or when I play them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well so. moving to something more positive. Uh, <laughs> what can we uh what can you tell us about um seething malevolence, getting on century media and like getting at like the post pandemic and being able to actually go on tour again and, and all that? How's how how's that experience been? So at first, Seeding Malevolence was, uh, yeah, we're back to positive, but it wasn't. It was, uh, Seeding Malevolence was actually like, the lyrical content and the songs, it was just like, very dark, very fucked up, um, very fucked up time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a big part of going on tour and stuff like that is making sacrifices. And some people don't really always understand that. And we, it, it, it was tough because some, I think, I think, other members of the band kind of came to terms with the fact that it's like, oh, okay, well, I might miss certain things going on with my family because I'm going to be gone, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, that was like, it was tough because um, post-pandemic, like I said, we got that tour offer. I was like, I thought we were all gung-ho, you know? And mm-hmm. we kind of were, but that tour wasn't all easy. It was really hard. And, and getting the record because the record at that point had been recorded but was not out mm-hmm. and we were not we were not on century media so we did that tour and we did really well on that tour even like it financially and, and everything so we were like oh wow we have a real shot here but it was long it was seven weeks and uh you know we had never been on a tour that long and it was we made a lot of great friends but also I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin for certain people. And they, that when we came home, it, it was, we had uh, like three days with integrity. And then uh, after that, we took some time to regroup and that's when uh, Century Media had contacted us. And um, I, that was a great thing but it was also really stressful because that was kind of when the band was like we were like all right 
are we going to do this? You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, we're about to get signed. We're about to get signed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys want to do this? And, uh, you know, um, a lot of the band didn't. They didn't want to do it. And so that was like a really tough, painful thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they stuck it through. And um, it was great because it was really, uh, I don't know the term, validating when we heard, when Century Media did get a hold of us. And I was like, oh, this is great. And, um, but it was stressful because that's a side of the music that I'm not used to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a learning curve and I, I figured we figured it out and we got everything all done and that was good. And it was a really good feeling. But when I think back on that time, that was also right when I was getting fired from my really nice job. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was kind of stressful. It was kind of stressful. It was good, but it, it was, it was, it was hard and see the malevolence. I, I would say this even when we were recording. I'm like, this is like a hard record. It's, the songs are hard to play. They're physically hard to play. Uh, the lyrical content is really fucked up. Um, I we, rec- we re-recorded that. I mean, we re-recorded the record like twice, and I did it like four times. And uh, I had to go... Um, like back and do there's a lot of like noise on the record mm-hmm. and uh i had to go back and do that and it was it was it, it was a very tough record to to get out mm-hmm. and uh like even even recording the video for seeding malevolence like i smashed my teeth and broke them <laughs> it was like um really tough it was tough but at the end um we did one last tour with our with our old lineup and it was actually super fun and cool and we ended with a fest called wrecking ball mm-hmm. and um that wasn't our first tour coming back from covid but it was kind of like it felt like the first like the first one coming back from covid because our first one was frozen hole and that tour was great for us but it wasn't that fun um our first headlining tour that was when i was like okay i love this again yeah you know, I was like, this is incredible. And we ended with Wrecking Ball and it was like, uh, actually, there's a couple of days after Wrecking Ball, I should say that. But like Wrecking Ball was like a huge, huge festival with a lot of great bands like Frozen Souls, Tango Sugabog, uh, Creeping Death, 200 Stab Wounds, basically everyone, <laughs> like everybody in the fam. And, uh, you know, Tribal Gaze played. And it was like, that was when I, I really love this again so um right now touring after that has been fucking crazy and awesome um with the new lineup we sound really great too and uh i mean we got we got to hang out i got to meet you (laughs) it was cool and and having having to been a fan of your work that's really cool and uh it's i've met a lot of other cool people touring has been crazy people have been very receptive to us which i'm eternally grateful for um shows have been like you're saying kind of violent (laughs) and i and i I think that's good i want people to have fun and do whatever they want to do um so it's it's been after that it's been crazy been a crazy ride in 2023 is going to be even crazier so what's your uh favorite memory or most notable memory of like uh something that happened on tour like was there a particularly gnarly show or anything that crazy that's happened yeah the one that i can talk about is like we played uh this it was honestly wasn't super well attended i think it was in like south carolina Mm -hmm. 
And um, we we played there, and I thought it was going to be whack. There, there was like a cool hardcore band that opened, um, and but I, I the dude who who booked it, he hooked it up with like catering and got us a bunch of really good food. And I was like, oh hell yeah! He got us like fruit salad, and it was <laughs> good fruit salad. And he made vegan dumplings. I'm not vegan, but our drummer is. So I was like, oh man, this dude knows what's up. Like, <laughs> like hell yeah! And we played that show. And it was like the most, it was the craziest reaction ever. It was so, I, I don't actually remember what town it was, but it was in, no, it was in Virginia. It was, it wasn't Richmond. It was before Richmond and it was some kind of small town in Virginia. And it was like such a psychotic reaction. It was like, we were, I, I was like, dude, is this, are we like black my heart? Is this 2005? Like what the hell's going on? There was like, blood everywhere and people were like i don't know if you've ever been to those hardcore shows where where there's in between the breakdown there's like those pauses and all you hear is like keys jingling yeah. and like people, get, people like people getting hit like that i was like this is fucked up. it was awesome <laughs> that was a, a, a one of the and the food like i said the the catering was like so on point it was hitting and I was like, this is, and we're, we're playing there again on this next tour coming, or not the next tour, on the last 10 Seconds of Life tour, so I'm pumped. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, that was a very memorable time. Crazy, crazy time. So you talked about, uh, you brought up the music video where you uh, smashed your teeth. Uh, is that the <laughs> same, is that the same music video that you had to like reshoot because uh, you got, they they gave you the green light on it and then they watched it and they were like, oh, never mind. Oh no no no! That's a different video. That vi- that video is very dark and very much inspired by uh, by you and and also um, August Mortem Underground. But uh, that is a video for Predatory Savior. There is an there is an uncensored version, but uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say what's in it, but it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah that that video is. I, we worked with our friends called they have a company called 8498 and my girlfriend she also is a videographer she has a company called Medicine Aura mm-hmm. and um that was like uh we were like yeah we're gonna we want like we 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 talked to 8498 about like kind of doing some some additional footage like some kind of because they are both they're also really good actors so um I was like yo do something like fucked up <laughs> and they did <laughs> and, I, and, and uh i was like okay cool and uh yeah it was like i was like i want it to be like uh like cronenberg meets like dave lynch but death metal and gory <laughs> and the and the and and all on high eight and they and we yeah that's uh yeah we did that there's a lot of there's a lot of blood in that one a lot of uh hints to like um I I was like really into this 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 like uh conspiracy about like the smiley face killers. Um so I was really like kind of influenced by that and um also like yeah, other stuff that's a little scary that I was like very very into. I was like, oh man, not into like I think it was cool, but I was like, this is fucked up. We're gonna do a video, we gotta do like something like that. Like and uh also, I wanted it to have kind of like satanic panic vibes. Uh, what's that like? That dude Bob Larson. Mm-hmm. He he made all these crazy videos of like, you know, 
uh, satanic ritual abuse stuff. So that was a big influence. Um, so even though it was kind of a a, a rocky road with see, seething malevolence, how has the reaction been since since it got since it's come out? You guys have been on tour and all of that. I didn't think it was going to be as crazy as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, people really, really like it. Um, I I didn't know because I I don't there I like it, but there's songs I don't really like, and it people are like really are are. I think we are kind of a band's band, which is like uh, you know, like a band that I think people in other bands like a little bit more than just like uh people who aren't in bands. But the reaction has been really great. Um, I, I saw the people putting our record on like uh, record of the year, album of the year. Like we were on a lot of those lists. Um, a lot of really cool people who are bigger than us reached out and said they liked it. And it's the reaction has been great. I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, one thing that I think really stands out that I've actually heard a lot of people discuss is uh, just your vocal style and like, how how like filthy your gutturals are and stuff and as someone who never really like intended to be a vocalist like what was your process and how did you like how did you learn to sing the way that you sing so i at first i was just kind of like killing myself hurting it hurt all the time sucked um and then i learned how to like sing sing a little bit better mm-hmm. and that really that really helped me just with my control and and all of that and uh I just, it just kind of developed um, from listening to different styles of metal and kind of trying to emulate that because I think one of my problems with brutal death metal is the vocals. I feel like it can be a little bit one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, back to Cradle of Filth, you hear somebody like Danny Filth and he's like all over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? His, his highs are like insane. Um, his lows are whatever, <laughs> but he's got them. Yeah. And then, he he's got like a really great mid-range and i'm like okay whether this dude's good or not i i really like that he's doing a lot of different things Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like you know if we if you incorporated that into brutal death metal it could be really cool and then even like like deathcore i don't really like that music that much i'm not gonna lie Mm -hmm. but um those vocalists are incredible like i i listen to them and i'm like how are you doing that like i i learned that was a like listening to different styles of, of heavy and and different styles of vocals like that was a big part of my process and trying to emulate that and uh bring it to brutal death metal bring a little flavor you know hell yeah hell yeah um uh so i think this is a not not smooth segue but i kind of don't care so <laughs> so let's tell everybody about a uh, godfrey gang bro <laughs> yeah. so yeah so one i came up with this bit was like i don't even know <laughs> where it really came from but like I, I was like what if i came out like you know how people are like yo like i'm like 10 years sober and i and which i have immense respect for no disrespect but i was like i'm gonna like say that i was god i'm god three like 10 years today and i'm gonna <laughs> see if, if people latch on to it or realize it's a bit and it's a joke and uh it's been 50 <laughs> 50 <laughs> like, like there are definitely some younger kids who are like yeah i've been godfrey for whatever i'm like that's i 
that's crazy. Good for you. But I think that saying God free years is like the funniest thing <laughs> ever. And I was like obsessed with it on that tour. Yeah, yeah. You met you met my friend Tristan from Shout Out Mongrel. He was in um he, we've been saying that like pretty pretty heavily for the last for the last couple of months, being like God free man, twelve years today. God free. <laughs> God free youth, God free gang. <laughs> Yeah, man, you said that to me, and I like, picked up on it pretty quick. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, yeah. I'm like 20 years deep in that shit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's how I knew you got it. That's how I knew you were real. <laughs> Have you had anybody get pissed off? Not yet. No, well, you know what? That's another thing is is I did it because I'm people think that also like not believing in in God is like a uh, is still an edgy thing that's going to make someone mad. I'm like, maybe in the Midwest and it's a grandma, but like at a vomit fourth show uh no one's gonna care yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i don't think they're gonna care either way even if you do believe in god no one's gonna care yeah we're at a but, show where we're singing about killing people so yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i think you should just be, really be more worried about getting kicked in the head <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like don't get your teeth knocked out <laughs> yeah yeah like me <laughs> how did that happen at the music video oh my god uh, so we were that video is, is we was in, was like um it was kind of influenced by just like snuff films that we've all watched on the internet and stuff like that so we were like yo get it in like a weird ass we need to get like a classroom with nothing in it you mm-hmm. know what i mean like some weird ass cartel lo- location yeah so um we rented this i don't even know how the the 8498 dudes found it it's like a weird very strange room like when you when you watch the video now where the their performance is happening it like looks so regular but it, it looks like it's almost ai generated because it's like this looks so familiar but it's like never no place i've ever been before mm-hmm. but it's also like every place i've been and um we're, we're in there and we're like they're like okay flip out and i'm doing my best to flip out because i'm kind of old and out of shape and uh <clears throat> i put the i put the mic up because i was swinging it around Mm-hmm. and um i would in my head i'm like man i gotta stop swinging this thing around i'm gonna smash myself in the face <laughs> and then um so all i did and it's so whack i i had the mic in my hands and i like put my hands up like this and i had to tie the microphone cable to like an anchor because i didn't have a uh stand and i wanted to have a mic cable in there for for no reason and as i did that it i when i lifted up it pulled back because the, the cord was too short and it just smashed me right in the teeth. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and I felt my front teeth just, like, break. And I was like, oh, great. This is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and you can kind of see it because I kept shooting after, even though I was in a lot of pain and I had nerves exposed. It was horrible. But um, I I still was shooting. You can see it in some of the shots where I'm, like, just singing and I'm, like, laying on the ground because I had broken my teeth before that. <laughs> and i I was like oh that'll be cool lore i wonder if people will care because all the videos are kind of connected so i didn't know if people would notice that nobody has (laughs) (laughs) well hopefully people will listen to this and then go back and check it out and be like oh shit that is yeah i hope so (laughs) (laughs) hopefully it's all worth it (laughs) talking about uh blood on on screen uh one thing that you and i really connected on is like uh extreme cinema and um that was definitely something that i wanted to dive in with you um what got you into extreme cinema and um what are some of your favorite films 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, the first movie, I guess you could, I don't even know if you could call it extreme cinema, but it's like definitely one of the first movies I saw that I was like, whoa, it was Audition. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like terrified, but also like intrigued, you know? And uh, that brought me to movies like Visitor Q and um and even like more arty stuff like that pinocchio 964 whatever movie i remember seeing that or and gozu and um then i found human tumbling doll mm-hmm. and that movie like fucked me up <laughs> <laughs> i was not ready i was like whoa i don't even think i finished also like i said super intrigued uh got into the guinea pig movies uh just because of the lore and thinking that was cool and um i actually got into the american one first Mm -hmm. i didn't even know there was like the older ones um uh, what's i think it's called bouquet of of guts and gore yeah yeah is the american one yeah that one uh was another movie where i was like whoa especially like like i think it's at the end he like brings the baby it's been a while since I've seen it. Like he like puts down. Uh, yeah, it, I just remember being like, "This is someone just getting hacked up." Yeah. <laughs> like this is crazy, but I I loved it, and um, you know, it, it was like. Then you know, August Mortem Underground is obviously uh you know that's a classic, and I remember seeing that and being like, "Wow, this is," I I I couldn't finish that movie too because it was. I I really liked it, but it's like very visceral, and there's just something about extreme cinema in general that has always interested me. And then I got into, um, actually found this dude on the internet who runs the whole like three hundred nine thing, mm-hmm. and he has those. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. They're I think they're chan. I think it's called Channel three hundred nine or something like that. Yeah, there's. There's three um, out of channel 309, but they do other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I found his stuff on the internet just because I liked his aesthetic and his music is really good. Mm-hmm. And um, that his stuff was also a really big eye-opener for me. I was like, oh, there's kind of a more DIY scene for this. Mm-hmm. And I was like very interested in that. Um, and uh, I can't pronounce his name on the internet, but he is. I think that guy is really talented. I love his camera work um his stuff is also very extreme a lot of poop and pee um (laughs) which which is is not really my thing but at the same time there's like a ritualistic element to it that i think is really cool um he's that was a huge huge eye-opener for me because from him is when i found people like you Mm -hmm. um which is then also where i found like uh like we were talking about like lucifer valentine movies um which his movies are very intense and I, I can't get through those either, but they're also in, in like the production value for, I think what I think is a DIY operation. I can't really tell because it's so good. Like those cameras seem, some of them seem pretty nice and the audio is really crazy on those, but um, that was great. Better. And then uh, so I was going to say, uh, I'm pretty sure it's pretty DIY. Um, okay. I know that he, I think that, uh, Lucifer Valentine works in like media, so I think he's 
financially wow. pretty well off, but I think that he makes those films pretty independently. Like I have a buddy who actually worked on one of them and like oh, wow. it's all mostly shot in a garage. <laughs> so like, really? Yeah, like a lot of those like white those scenes where like they're in like a white room, like that's like a garage. That's so, crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I that's that was he he was one of the one of the people where I was like, wow, this is really um incredible for being like a DIY thing. And then also the degenerates was was one too where I was like like I remember I saw the trailer. This was before it was out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that was when I first found out about you. And I was like, is that I, I was also like, is that real? That's fucking awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, I have to see this. This is so fucked up. Um and yeah, that was another when you talked to me about how you how you made it look like that too, I thought that was so fucking cool. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, uh, it, it, extreme cinema to me, it was kind of like, it's like punk or something. Yeah, it's hell yeah. Like, it, I was like, it was the same. I felt the same way when I when I first saw the three hundred nine, um, like videos and stuff. I I felt the same way I did when I like first listened to the birthday party or something. Yeah, like I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome and fucked up." <laughs> I definitely think that there's like an overlap and like a connection between like DIY punk like elements, like that community. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in that community yeah. first, and then I started making like movies and stuff. And so like that my that DIY mindset kind of just exists in in cinema as well. Like let's just fucking yeah. like the degenerates like. We shot that in a hotel room and I didn't ask fucking permission to shoot there. I just fucking <laughs> did it, you know, like. You know? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's pretty, <laughs> that's nuts, dude. Oh yeah, we were like, I was stressed out the whole fucking time. Like I had the like, do not disturb sign on because I didn't want a, a fucking, uh, someone to come in to like clean and like see a fucking corpse on the ground. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or like god forbid it's like during one of the, the i don't want to spoil it, but you know like one of the scenes <laughs> yeah. where, where, where uh something's happening but like or like you know i don't know there's like drug use that looks kind of real in that and i was like that's great that makes it even crazier yeah. <laughs> like, i didn't know that that's fucked well dude and it's funny because like i had to lug like i was on the fifth floor and I had to lug all that shit up. So they just fucking like the people at the front and I, the way that it was laid, the hotel was laid out. You had to walk by the front desk. So I just like keep walking upstairs with box after box after box. And then I like bring a fucking yeah. table up and I could see they were just looking at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. You know? But uh, it's funny. <laughs> Cause like Felicia, she does like porn and stuff. And and she actually, yeah. and I was like, I was like, it was kind of a seedy hotel and i was like you know what i bet other people do fucking fucked up stuff here too and i think Felicia told me she's like i think i shot like a trampling video here which was like her like walking on a guy like stepping on a guy and i was was like oh that checks out i was like yeah yeah i I, um that's that because i lived in hotels for a long time uh-huh. uh for like a year or so i had to I, i lived at the holiday inn for a while and which is kind of expensive and then but uh, my girlfriend, my current girlfriend and I, we, we were like kind of in and out of hotels for a little bit. And um, we did have one experience where I was like, oh, wow, they're doing something fucking weird here. <laughs> <laughs> and like and and also like walking outside, I 
because I, I had a job too, but I'd walk outside and get ready to go to work. I'd look in people's cards. There's just like a backseat full of license plates. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So yeah, you were probably good. But yeah, still, I feel that's, like, that's just I feel like, crazy. I feel like the hotel life is fucking filled with just interesting people. I shot Barf Bunny in that exact same hotel also. So whoever... Barf Bunny was in a hotel? Yeah, dude. Actually, here's the here's the... I don't know. You might you might find this interesting, but <laughs> I got a hotel and I shot Barf Bunny in a hotel and I moved all the furniture. Like Barf Bunny, where Barf Bunny's set was, was where the bed was. So I had to move the bed. I moved everything. Oh, and so like you have this vibrant, colorful set. And then you turn around and look and the hotel room looks fucked. Like it's like completely <laughs> trashed. And that's where I got yeah. the mindset for the degenerates. So I was like that, that fucked up hotel room could be like another set for yeah. Another. And I was like, I was like, and I had to shoot Barf Bunny in two segments. So I had to go back to that hotel twice. And so I was like, you know what? If I'm going to shoot the second half of Barf Bunny and fuck up this hotel room, I might as well just shoot another movie with the fucked up hotel room. And that's how yeah. it happened. I was like, I was like, I'm going to do a two for one, you know, fucking let's just. <laughs> <laughs> let's double down, man. Double our money. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so Barf, I feel like Barf Bunny would have like actually fucked up the hotel room too. Like, like, cause there's a lot of Barf. <laughs> Uh, we had to put like drop drop mats all on the ground and uh yeah like when felicia puked like there was puke all over and we had to clean that up but then the decapitation scene uh that was actually so there's a part where we like cut her head off and there's someone uh that's got like a tube going up the fake torso and they're like oh okay blood out and we pumped it a little too hard and like the blood shot up and it was like a popcorn ceiling you know and if you got fucking if you get like fucking done so this blood yeah. goes up and it like missed the ceiling by like an inch like we watched it go up and i was like oh jesus christ and then it splatted down and uh awesome. yeah you're talking about uh yeah you're talking cool. about bouquet of guts and gore so marcus who did special effects for bouquet of guts and gore did special effects for barf bunny and he, oh hell yeah and yeah and he told me he's like we need to put drop mats everywhere he's like you think about it he said imagine if you just dumped a gallon of milk on the fucking ground he's like that's what we're gonna do right now it's gonna be yeah and i was like yeah so and afterwards dude the place was squeaky fucking clean you wouldn't even know you know there's people staying yeah. in the room not knowing that i shot fucking puke porn in there <laughs> yeah 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 like you have no idea bar fun <laughs> yeah. or like you have no idea there was a fake dead guy who yeah I had, I had a missing lot of corpse in there. Yeah, I was going to say, that. there's Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That actually makes me feel, I hope Belle doesn't watch this. Because she, she she books all our hotels. Uh-huh. And she's like really great. Like, she's great. She gets all the like the reviews. Like, we, we won't. So, I'm going to be like, man, even if there's good re- reviews, you never know. Someone might have filmed some puke porn. <laughs> Dude, it doesn't even matter. It could be seedy or it could be fancy. You know, you know, everybody's for every hotel for every like three hotels. There's one guy shooting the degenerates. <laughs> hey, if you guys ever get it, if you ever uh, do a tour in Chicago and you stay at a shitty ass hotel, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. That's true. Because we did. We were. We played. We did. We played the Cobra Lounge. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was something that I wanted to talk to you about uh, going back to music like. Yeah. uh going on tour um like there's different scenes all over the country you know each state's a little bit different so mm-hmm. kind of what's that experience like and what are some of the more like memorable uh 
like different scenes where you're like, dude, we got to come back here. This place is fucking awesome. It's it's um. So coming from the Northeast, you're kind of an asshole and you're also like selfish and biased mm-hmm. um, because we had bands like our scene. I, I originally came from Massachusetts, extremely violent, um, also extremely like well attended when I was coming around. Um, we I remember, I mean, obviously things have changed just as a society or whatever. But when I was younger, when I'd go to shows, there was like we never really had to travel out of state because we were a destination for hardcore. So all the cool ass bands would either come and play anchors up or even before that, they'd play like the mercy house um, or the waterfront. And it was always packed. There was always very scary people there. And uh, which kind of made it eventful. There was always just insane fights or, moshing or or even just cool fun stories like it was always an event you know and so you get a little when it's not like that in another scene you get a little jaded at first so when you first start touring and you're like yeah like you know oklahoma's whack but it's actually not oklahoma's sick um but uh <clears throat> you know what i mean like you get a little yeah. jaded at first so but as i've gotten older and seen it i mean I, my scene has died you know it's not really popping up here like it was and um so right now i i we go down to florida and it's like there's like a second family there and it's fucking usually very well attended and it's crazy every time and there's a lot of people down there. there's a lot of great bands down there um not even just like heavy bands there's like other like um there's a band called mood ring that's awesome from there um who was a he it's this dude named hunter he was in uh kind of like a metalcore deathcore band called culture killer mm. um and but then there's also body box who's like a death metal band that's just like dumbass death metal is awesome and uh you know cold steel um there's also this great hardcore band down there called domain um and there's just a great scene down there it's really mm. awesome in florida um they're really good to us. Uh, the South in general is, is, is pretty good to us. Uh, Virginia is pretty good to us. Um, and then the other like great place is Texas is crazy. Uh, there's a, like a lot of great bands down there, obviously. I mean, Frozen Soul, Creeping Death, um, Tribal Gaze. And uh, that that those shows are, are usually pretty good. We've played a couple shot shows there, though. So it's like that one's hit or miss i feel like for vomit fourth it's it's not actually that good we have to be playing with one of their bands for it to be cool yeah, yeah. um with with florida i don't i don't feel that way like i feel like that florida genuinely fucks with us and um we fuck with all the bands down there and it's just like it's a great great experience i mean what our second headliner we did we took out simulacra and stuff on site and like five, four of the dates were in florida because because it's always so good to us um, so that's a standout place for sure. What about internationally? So moving outside of the U.S. and and what's what is the scene like uh, in the different? Canada. We've only done Canada. Okay. So far, I have played. I in other bands, I've been in. I've been in Europe, but um, Canada is actually nuts for us. Oh really? Yeah, which I didn't 
I was like, I don't know. I don't even know if anyone knows who we are. Um, but I, I did actually run into some people I knew up there. I, I ran into my friend Max Vick, who I haven't seen in years. He's like working up there and living there, and that was cool. And then our friend Brad lives there. He's a he's a good dude. He manages some really great bands like uh, Up Sulfur. Um, he's he so that was cool running into them. But uh, the scene up there is is pretty cool. It's pretty strong, and uh, we can play with a band. So this might might not make sense to a lot of metal people people who aren't in metal, but like, you know, metal is obviously a broad term, and there's like metal for people who want to wear sweatpants and spin kick people, and there's metal for people who want to wear leather jackets and you know have a back patch, mm-hmm. and we can play we can play with like a back patch, get drunk band, and mm-hmm. it's still just as crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's it, that's what's really cool about Canada, and, and uh, we played with some cool bands from there. But uh, mostly, we played with American bands there. Uh, last time we played too, it was crazy because I was just there was another big fest going on. I can't remember what it was. I think it was called Act Like You Know or something. Mm-hmm. And I and I get there, and then like Malachi from Scowls there, and I was like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, you're playing a show." So that it, it whenever we played Canada, it's been kind of like magical and cool. Hell yeah. Um... What do you think about? I don't know if you've heard this, but I've seen like lots of memes and shit online of people, mm-hmm. like young, like younger people, like wanting to tone down the violence at like metal shows and stuff, and like making statements about like crowd killing, like crowd killings assault, and like wanting to get rid of like hardcore dancing or get rid of like things where people might get hurt. And uh, as someone like who's grown up in like some pretty violent, like I don't know, we both we both are so- from yeah. so- like. Shit can get pretty fucking violent. Yeah, I don't know. In my mind, it's kind of like it comes with the territory. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about this? Like gen- new generation trying to like change how things go down. It's tough because I- I've been in a lot of situations like that, especially in the Northeast. I mean, the Northeast has kind of two scenes because there's a lot of college towns. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, kind of more left leaning people who go to college and they come and see a band like. Uh, you know, hundred demons at the waterfront, and then some dude that gets his fucking, you know, he has to talk to somebody outside, and then it's you know it's crazy, <laughs> and then they're like they're like there's this is no place, and I'm like yeah, but you know what, you're gonna be gone, you're not gonna be a part of this scene once you graduate from college, so I don't really care what you have to say, um, and that was that was my um, stance on it for a long time, and it kind of is to an extent, um, but I, I also have been <laughs> smashed a million times by some dude who's been like, you know, laying drywall all day and has like step stepdad strength. <laughs> and uh, you know, and and I don't love it. So it's it's really it's really right now we're at a weird time because aggressive music, not just hardcore, not just metal, aggressive music all around is getting a lot of shine and we have bands like and and I love these bands but we have bands like you know code orange turnstile who are and knock loose who are playing to regular ass people Mm -hmm. you know and then they go online and they see what would happen at those shows before i mean code orange shows used to be fucking especially i'm king forever era it was pretty nuts you know and they would still see videos that and they want to emulate that and um you know that always comes in waves but right now it's a pretty big wave and um, 
if somebody wants to end, not want to get hurt at a show, we're in a really great place now where you don't really have to. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because at shows at our level, you know what I mean? Not like I've heard things about like rap shows or even shows like ghost main shows. Those are like a bunch of people. None of them know what they're doing. And they found out about like hardcore dancing semi recently. And they're trying to do that. But there's like literally close to a thousand, if not more people trying to push mosh and someone's going to get trampled. And that's not mm-hmm. our, our scene. And I don't really know how to, if you want to appropriate our culture, I don't really want to use that term, but I don't know how to use, I don't know another term to use. Um, if you want to take hardcore dancing into that context, well, then you're dumb. <laughs> but uh, as far as our scene and stuff like that, taking it out, we're in a situation now where if you don't want to engage in the violence, you don't have to. Um, and also, if you want to comment on it, I think that it's kind of healthy. I think it's good to have that dialogue to an extent. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, you're stepping into something that you don't know about and you're, you're commenting sometimes, sometimes people get a little too comfortable Yeah, and um, they might say some stuff that I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, you know, it's kind of the fuck around and find out factor. Um, I I, I want people to talk about it and I want people to talk about it in a real way and and feel safe at a show for sure. But Mm -hmm. um, the whole point of hardcore and metal and all that stuff was there's an element of danger to it. And that's what, I thought was like the point. Yeah. You know, like uh, I talked about this on another podcast and I know I talk about Cradle of Filth a lot, but like when I got into Cradle of Filth, I wanted to go to a show and see somebody shooting flames and singing about dragons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When I got in, when I got into Agnostic Front, I was like, yo, I can see these dudes for real, not that far away from me. And they might kick me in the head. Yeah. And there's something kind of cool about that, you know, like even yeah. the first time I, the first time I saw Agnostic Front, uh, they did, uh, it's a long time ago, but they were doing only victim in pain. And like, you know, they played some of the, the hits that I'm not huge into. They played like gotta go and stuff, mm-hmm. but I was like, yo, they're playing victim in pain. I'm getting on stage. And I just got smoked by some like giant skinhead, <laughs> you know what I mean? but, but it was awesome. Yeah. And like I said, there's, there's a part of it that I think, um, that's kind of been lost on a lot of the younger generation, at least at first, because I see a lot of these kids come in here and they're really critical of violence and they're really critical of the scene. And then they go to a couple shows and they kind of like understand. Yeah. You know, they're like, Oh, okay. Well, and, and, or they'll go in and they'll mosh and they'll see, dude, it's not like uh, this giant fight where if you mosh the wrong way, someone's there, everyone's going to see, and they're just going to beat you up. Yeah. You know, it's like, it is aggression. It's crazy, but that's been going on since the eighties, you know? Yeah. And I mean, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, it's like, man, I I think that there's two sides of the coin. I like, I like the coin. I like both sides. And I think we should talk about it. Uh, Also, you know, maybe you need to check yourself sometimes. Both. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, I think people who are naive, like you're talking about, um, cause moshing and stuff is getting picked up in other genres of music where it, it didn't exist prior um mm-hmm. there is like a level of etiquette you know and if someone is getting a yeah. little too fucking rough like people grab them and be like yo fucking chill you know like yeah you know? and uh I, yeah. 
it's probably more dangerous if you're around a bunch of people who have no fucking idea how the etiquette is you know like exactly i'm sure there's people that just come in like oh we're we fight <laughs> you know like, yeah. yeah yeah exactly and and also i mean that was another thing with hardcore too what that i liked was um well not, i mean i guess i liked it was kind of crazy but it was like you know when someone was if someone was getting too rough and and that was it was part of like that's why i liked hardcore still is it is a culture mm-hmm. and there is etiquette there's also like people there's stuff like that like um you know like you have to know shit and um i know there's a lot there's a big discourse about gatekeeping and i love to troll people and be like gatekeeping is good I don't necessarily think that. I just like to say that because it upsets people sometimes. But, um, you know, uh, you got to know where you're at and what you're around. It's kind of like being on the street. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's certain neighborhoods, certain neighborhoods you don't want to fuck around in. It's yeah. the same with hardcore. There's certain shows you don't want to fuck around at. Yeah. And um, that's something that I guess I won't say I like it, but I will say that, like, that's something that I respect about any any culture or anything, you know, is that when you need to know where you're at and you need to know what you're doing and who you're around and all that stuff. And I, I, I felt kind of at home there. And I think that is a great thing about hardcore specifically where if it kind of weeds out its own turds. Yeah. If you're a faker, you end up getting weeded out all on your own, (laughs) (laughs) which which I always liked. Um, so what can we expect, uh, moving forward from vomit forth? And, uh, is there any other projects that you're working on that you want to talk about? Um, yeah. So, uh, doing another music video for a song that I'm very pumped on, um, it's still high eight, but it's also not. So that's cool. I want to get really, I, I really want to add more of a cinematic element to the band. I mean, we have, this is going to be our fourth music video for the record, but, um, I love videos. I want to add to it. I want to have videos playing when we play live. Got to get a little bit more money, but <laughs> eventually I want to get there. Um, and we have a, a lot of new songs. We're going to be playing some of them on our upcoming tours. So I'm very pumped on those. They're crazy. Um, and then I have a couple projects. I mean, I have a, a like the alt, I have like an alt rock band called Eyeball that I'm always working on trying to push. And then um, I have another project coming out soon that's a little bit more like uh, industrial kind of like goth vibes um, and some, I got some, I don't, I don't want to name, I don't want to put out the name yet for a couple of them, but I have like a couple black metal projects that are coming out. So a lot of, a lot of content coming out for me soon. So. Oh yeah. Well, um, for everybody listening who wants to kind of like dive into that kind of stuff, uh, mm-hmm. where can they find you? What are your socials? All of that. So just vom- we're really lucky. Nobody wanted the name Vomit Forth for anything. So <laughs> so we're just we're just Vomit Forth on Twitter, Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're not really on that like that Facebook really. We have a TikTok. I haven't uploaded anything yet though, but I'm gonna get on that TikTok. Um. So yeah, just search Vomit Forth and you should you you'll be able to find us on anything uh discord is coming so we're out here hell yeah man well i appreciate that we finally got to make this happen and same i'm definitely gonna see you around next time you're in san diego so oh hell yeah we gotta hang out (laughs) hell yeah dude all right (laughs) right, man yeah later thank you for listening to this episode of the uneasy train explorers club podcast this podcast is the product of putrid productions 
which also produces my YouTube channels, Cinema's Underbelly, where I analyze and review extreme underground cinema, as well as my channel Murderbilia Show and Tell, where I share pieces of true crime relics from my personal collection and tell the stories behind them. Additionally, Putrid Productions also has its own distribution label, Vile Video Productions, where I release my films as well as the movies of other filmmakers within the extreme horror underground. So if you want to keep the putrefication going, make sure to check out these other endeavors, as well as keeping a lookout for upcoming podcast episodes. Till next time, I'm Jonathan Doe, and this is the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club podcast. <laughs>